0: welcome to the redemption church podcast we exist to become witnesses to god's new creation so that every man woman and child has a daily encounter with jesus we believe that as a family of servant missionaries we are empowered to participate in god's story because of the good news that king jesus is making all things new all of humanity echoes that first experience of shame of sin But Jesus of Nazareth came to restore us so that we no longer have to hide from each other, God, or even ourselves. Because of Christ's victory, we are free to experience what it means to be truly human. Genesis chapter 3 is where we will be again this morning. If there's a nation in which we should be more aware of our own brokenness, I think it is the USA hold on for just a minute while I say some things. One in six Americans are on some form of mental health drugs, pharmaceutical drugs. Nearly every third commercial is dealing with a brand new drug with 30 seconds of, what do you call the side effects? I couldn't remember that term. We spend over $335 billion a year on pharmaceutical drugs. Now hear me loud and clear. I am for medicine. I am for drugs. Does that make sense? Everyone hear that? What I'm saying is we have a condition in our society that we are very aware of our brokenness. We are very aware of the anxiety and the depression and all of those mental, emotional health issues that we face We are more anxious. You can do studies and studies and studies. We are more anxious, more medicated than we've ever been. And you know why? It's because we are not right with ourselves. Our separation from God necessitates that we are not right with ourselves. One of the primary ways that we know that is not right is because of what I just said. We all, whether we are aware of it or not, express and experience separation in the things we feel and in the things we think. Because in a sense, anxiety, depression, fear, shame, guilt, all of these are feelings and emotions of what it actually means to be human. These are not necessarily in and of themselves evil things. If a lion crouches up behind you and you're not fearful, I got you know you got issues. Like to be worried about something when something immediately comes to your mind, that is not sinful. That's just what it means to be human. So experiencing these things are not necessarily what I'm going after. It's what do we do with these things? Where do they lead us? Where do they take us? And because of our broken condition, we know and we often experience that these things lead us to places we don't want to go. So emotions are essential to humanity. God made us as emotionally charged creatures who are made in his image. The emotions we experience reveal that we are needy people. I've been told a thousand times that I'm not an emotional person. And for a long time I believed that about myself. I believe myself to be a rational, logical, intellectual person. You know why? Because those are far better than all the emotional people. Anyone else there with me? And that's wrong thinking. I am just as emotional as someone else, as a human being. See, you are either too close to your emotions or you're too far from them. I'm too far from them. I suppress them. I don't want them to dominate me, so I ignore them. Other people, they're on their sleeves and they are just like all emotional and you see it all the time. Both are wrong. Both are brokenness. Just because you suppress your emotion and you act more like me, like stoic, nothing is going to bother me. You are far from being human. And we see this in Genesis chapter 3. Being too close, being too far, is part of what it means to be a broken human being. And when we're too close, when we're too far from our emotions it has drastic revocations for how you relate to God, how you understand yourself, and as we're going to talk a little bit about today, but even pick up on next week, how that impacts other people. The scariest question you can ask somebody is how do you experience me? And have them be honest with you. You know why we don't ask that question a whole lot? One, because you don't really care. You just care how other people make you feel. And you don't really want to know the honesty of what other people, how they actually experience you. And the reality is, is that is because you're not right with yourself. You are, as a human being, because of inherited sin that we talked about last week, are so far broken that we are without God, without hope in the world, and I want us to read Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 to 14. You're like, how many weeks are we going to be in Genesis chapter 3? Every one. I'm just kidding. All right? But we're in a series called Death to Life, talking about sin. Not because we want to be the church that just like hammers home that you're a sinner. We want to be a church that talks about sin because you won't understand who God is in His grace if you don't understand who you are in your sin. So we're not here to bang on you that you're a bad person. You should already know that. We're here to tell you that the more you begin to understand the brokenness, the more you begin to realize how great the grace and the love of God is for you. So that if you are bored with God, it's because you think you're okay. Genesis chapter 3, we see three emotions that are distorted Three feelings, three areas in which Adam and Eve are not right with their self. And I want you to pick up on these. There's fear, there's shame, and there's guilt. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. So he said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden. The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. The serpent responds, you will certainly not die. God knows that when you eat it, your eyes will be opened. You will be like God, knowing good and evil. Then the man and the wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid. Because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, The woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. And the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? And the woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. Father, help us as we look at this passage this morning to experience, in a sense, our broken condition Being in Adam, being part of his tree, so that we might demonstrate our need and run to Jesus to be our covering, to be our hope. So we'll give you praise for that in Jesus' name, amen. I don't know if you caught that, but one of the things we see that immediately after Adam and Eve sin and eat the fruit from the tree is the very first thing is they experience fear. The first emotion, one of the first emotions after the fall is an experience of fear. And of course, in the Bible, there is a positive fear, a healthy fear. Like Proverbs 1 tells us, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge and wisdom. This is not that fear. This is a negative fear. This is to be an absolute fear in awe, not in the sense of like reverential awe, but afraid of God. This is a negative fear, and they're afraid of Him. And even though they were not fully what they should have been in the garden, when they were in the garden, they didn't have fear of God when He came walking along with them. But now, for the first time, they experience something brand new. This is like as a kid. I don't know if you remember being a kid and your parents leave. When they come home, if you ate the cookie, you were like what? Oh crap, are they going to catch me? You're a teenager, your parents are gone, they have a party, you clean up as best you can, but as soon as they come home, they're like, "Uh uh-oh, did I do a good enough job? And they walk in the room, and they walk in the house, and you immediately feel what? Like scared, right? But, if you haven't done anything wrong, and they come home, you're just like, sweet, there's no fear. And this is the exact emotion that Adam and Eve feel in the garden is that they, when their parents were gone, God was gone, did something they shouldn't have done, and now when God shows up, they are afraid. And they do like the most weird act of irrationality. When you are fearful of that, you do the dumbest things. And what do they do? They play hide and seek with God. God. So I was at a friend's house at an uh, MC event, not MC, I was hanging out with some friends who are in my MC, and they have a daughter, and uh, she was playing hide-and-go-seek. And I was talking, and she wanted me to play hide-and-go-seek with her, and I was like, "Ah, oh. you know what, you go hide. So she runs off and hides, I count, and I'm like, all right, are you ready? Are we ready? Are you good for me to come find you? And what does she say? Yes, I'm ready. So I know right where she is. It's great. And this is like Adam and Eve as a kid, playing hide and seek with God. Like, God is not going to find them. But in their fear, they run and they hide from a person who knows where they are. Playing hide and seek with God is one of the most irrational things we do, and yet we are just like Adam. In our fear, in our broken condition... We, in our fear, hide. We run. And I want you to know that you hide from God. You attempt, in your brokenness, to say that he doesn't see me. He's not going to judge me. He's not going to do this. And even though in the back of your mind you know where he he is, and he knows where you are, you fear him. And so you run and you hide. But they're not just people who are fearful and hide, but they also experience shame. Genesis chapter 3, look at verse 6. The woman saw the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing the eye. She ate it, and when they ate it, their eyes were open. They realized they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Their nakedness demonstrates that for the first time that they were exposed, they felt vulnerable. The nakedness here, and I'm not going to go into like all the sexual aspects and all the clothing aspects, one of the primary aspects of being naked and being aware of it is to have that feeling of being exposed. They were laid bare, they were vulnerable. Before God, there is nothing they could do to hide themselves. They felt this absolute exposure, this toxic shame. And so, what do they do? They go and make their own leaves, clothing, they make it out of fig leaves. Not to go into all the ancient Near Eastern imagery, but fig leaves were very not very well constructed and they didn't cover everything. They weren't going to last a long time. They were very skimpy. The word here is actually used like a loincloth, like a little belt. They put something on, whatever they could find, and it was very small and it was going to be destroyed just to cover themselves up. How many of you wore clothes here today? Thank you. There's lots of reasons why, but one of the main reasons is because to walk around naked is to be completely exposed, completely vulnerable, to let everyone see you for who you really are as a physical creature, and you don't want that. So you cover yourself with clothes, and we're all thankful. But the point is that what we're getting at is that they felt this this vulnerability, this exposure. And in our sin, we are acutely aware of our inadequacy, our insufficiency, and we don't want to be exposed for our brokenness, so we will find coverings. How about you? What do you find coverings for? I think we create coverings of personas to cover up our inadequacy. Who is Scott? Scott has created a persona that he is strong, goes through anything, sarcastic, and straightforward. will tell you straight to your face mean things. Are some of those like good gifts from God? Absolutely. But you know what they are also? They're a persona that I have created about myself to make sure that I don't have to feel any of my inadequacy or my insufficiency. So the good things that God has given me become a bad thing because I am so afraid of being exposed for being a weak, broken sinner, just like everybody else in the world, but to make sure that I don't feel that, I create a persona about who I am to make myself feel better. What persona do you create to cover up your inadequacy and your insufficiency so that you don't get exposed? We don't just create personas to cover up. We create and look for objects to cover up our weakness. You're so broken and you don't want to be exposed that if you have enough money, you'll feel like you won't be exposed. Or your work ethic. Or your hobbies. The things that you do to make sure that Scott is a soccer player. Scott is an athlete. I, I mean, this is just, again, my persona. I This is so wrong, but just to get a little bit into me, my hobby is running. I hate running. I'm going to run this afternoon and I'm already hating it. But I'm doing it for lots of reasons, and one of the bad ones is to create that persona that Scott, as a wicked old man, can still run a long way really fast. And that makes me feel good. And that is just a wrong covering to deal with my aging and my need to find covering? What do you look to to cover up your exposure? Or, some of us, for our covering, just seek entertainment and or busyness. Are you an American? Yes. Are you busy? Of course. But is your busyness just a busyness to ensure that you don't have to stop and think about your own life. And when we find time to have to stop, or don't even have to, but we find time to stop, what do we do? Netflix. Amazon Prime. Some sort of Apple TV Plus. Some sort of platform to cover up again that we don't want to deal with ourselves. Now, again, am I against Netflix? No, okay? I'm not against platforms. Watch TV shows. Think about things that are... But my point is, is that how many times do we actually find time to just sit, to be alone, to think, and we don't want that? See, this is what happens in the garden, because of your brokenness and the exposure that you feel, the inadequacy and the insufficiency, you have to find covering what you're covering. So my questions that I have for you on the screen is, do you even know these? Do you know the personas that you create? Do you know what objects you look to? Do you even know the things in your life that drown out the noise of your exposed, shameful soul? Like, these are questions you have to answer for yourself if you want to be an honest human. To be honest about your life. But they don't just experience fear and hide. They don't just experience shame and cover. But they also experience something else. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 10, it says, He answered, I heard you in the garden, I was afraid, so I hid. We talked about that. God said, who told you you're naked? Have you eaten from the tree I commanded you not to eat? And then the man said, what? (laughs) The woman you put me here with. And God says to the woman, what are you doing? And the woman says, the serpent. See, they're experiencing a third thing, which is guilt. And when you experience guilt, the way to overcome your guilt is to blame And let's make a distinction here between shame and guilt. Shame has more of a feeling about a badness about who you are as a person. Guilt is feeling bad over an act that you just committed. Okay, you understand that difference? Guilt has more to do with an act. The act of lying, the act of stealing, the act of yelling at somebody. That act produces this guilty feeling within you. Shame is just this overall impression that you are inadequate, insufficient, and dirty. So you have to cover yourself to deal with your shame. How do you deal with your own guilt? How did Adam and Eve deal with their own guilt? For the first time, they had this deep, sick feeling down in their gut. Okay? I can remember, I don't know if my mom even knows this, I can remember the last time I lied to my mom. Well, maybe not the last time, but I think the last time. Probably, I shouldn't even say that. I remember a time I lied to my mom. Okay? We'll leave it there. Okay? And she's in the nursery, so I can do this right now. I just thought of that. But I can remember when I lied to her, as soon as that lie had been told, what do you feel inside? Don't you feel like that deep, like, feeling in your gut, like, ugh? Like, that's the guilt that you feel. Like, when you do something that you are just like, I would never do that. When you commit that act, you have this like deep, visceral feeling in your gut. And that's what Adam and Eve experience here. They have like this deep, visceral feeling of that they have just done something they could not believe they would ever do. And what do you do to deal with that? Some of us probably just wait for time. But you know what else we often do? Is we blame others. You say something about someone and it's not a nice thing and you turn around and they're right there and you're like, oh, crap. Or you lie at work to keep your job, to keep your reputation... In order to stop feeling this deep, deep feeling, you have to explain your actions by blaming others. Adam blamed who? <laughs> Eve. And I love it. It's like he's not only blaming Eve, he's blaming God. Yeah, She did it, but did you know that you're the one who put her here? Like, it's the one you gave me is the one who made me do this. And then God goes, okay, well, let's go to the, let's go to the woman. Why did you do this? And what does she do? Not me. Uh, It's the serpent's fault. And what we see is that Adam and Eve, neither of them owned up to or took responsibility for their actions. They began to blame others. They would say things like this. You know, this is what we would say. That's not my fault. That's just how I was raised. You ever said that? It's not my fault. It's just because the other pushing knows how the other person knows how to push my buttons. Right. You know why they know how to push your buttons? Because it's fun for them. And they know how to get you where you want to be got because they often have their own insufficiency to push your buttons to make them feel good and you have to blame others. Isn't this a weird vicious circle? It's not my fault. My kids are just a certain way. If my boss wouldn't do this act, if he wouldn't have this program, if he wouldn't have this procedure, then everything would be fine. So what do we do? You hide, you cover and you blame other people for your own inadequacy rather than just own your guilt. You blame others. You look at everyone else in the situation and rather than just say, I own that, you need to push it out on other people. So my three points in closing are this. This, number one, I shouldn't say closing. I have three final points, okay? Let's just keep it real. Number one, this is in our sin how we relate to God. Rather than run to God in repentance, we run from him. When you sin, your act of hiding is an act of not running to repentance, but running away from him. Running to more sin, to do sin again. As we saw a few weeks ago, the consequence of sin is more sin. And so you begin to run from God, and you run to other things, and in your brokenness, you don't come to Him. In fact, the Scriptures tell us in the New Testament that apart from God, apart from the Spirit of God working in you, you will always hide, you will always run from Him. Rather than, number two, acknowledge a deep inadequacy, you will always make coverings to deal with yourself. Christians, we do this. We're like, we believe only in the blood of Jesus to save us. True? But how many of you come in your good works and say, Jesus, save me? How many of you come in your loincloths of fig leaves of like, I helped my mom bring in the groceries this week, cloth? Meanwhile there's the 40 other million sins you committed, but because you did one righteous act, you wear that righteous clothing act, and you come before God, and God is like, that's not going to work. And rather than own our sin, we blame others. If those Republicans would stop, those Democrats would stop, the president would stop, I would stop having to pay... See how much a gallon of milk was this week? I am incensed. Okay, judge me all you want. I, I, well, I used to buy organic milk until it's $8 a gallon. I just went, oh my gosh, I'm done buying organic milk. My kids will live less. I have one week less of life. I don't know. I'm just saying like $8 <laughs> for a gallon of milk. And what do I want to do? I want to blame everyone in the world because I got to pay $8 for a gallon of milk rather than just being like, I'm pretty sure the Bible says my God will supply all of my needs and just trust Him. But no, because I'm so bitter about my $8, dollars i got to blame people. And we run, and we hide, and we cover. This is what it means to be broken in our sin, and this is how you relate to God. But number two, how you relate is how you relate. What do you mean by that? How you relate to God is how you relate to others. You can't say, I relate to God one way and then say, I relate to God to people a different way. It's the same thing when we say in Matthew, uh, when the great commandments of love God by loving your neighbor. You can't go to bed tonight saying, I love God, but hated your neighbor. If you hated your neighbor, you didn't love God. You understand this? How you relate to God, how you love God is expressed by how you relate and how you love others. And we're going to talk about this over the next couple weeks, about how we're not just separated from ourselves, but because of that we're separated from others. You in your relationships hide your true self from others and live out of a false self. I would venture to say there's a lot of marriages in here where you still live out of a false self. You are presenting yourself as someone who is not as broken as you present yourself to be. See, you hide. You hide who you really are from other people. Why? Because other people have to look at you a certain way, because in that you feel something, you get an identity. We cover our shame before others so that we are not exposed. Like, this is why we hide. We don't want to be exposed for being a sinner. And yet, all of you are going to say, how many of you are sinners? How many of you don't want to be exposed for being a sinner? The irony that sin creates in your life is you will fully give a test and write a hundred times you're a sinner, but you don't want anyone to know that. And yet the Bible says this is what sin does. It causes you to actually hide from other people so they don't really know who you really are and you're going to cover yourself up from other people. And you blame others for your problems. Okay? Do you understand why relationships now are so hard? Because of your deep, inadequate, broken self where you hide You cover and you blame. These actions rob you from experiencing true intimacy and relationship with others. How can you have a genuine relationship with someone else who doesn't genuinely know you? Does that make sense? Like, it's just not rocket science. It's a very basic fact. If I present myself to you as a false person... You're going to have a false relationship with me. See, you can never experience intimacy and relationship with people. And don't mistake intensity and intimacy in relationship. Intensity means you can be with people all the time, have lots of fun. There's all kinds of intensity there, but there's no intimacy. And those intense relationships often get mistaked for intimate relationships. And in those intense relationships, you're like, you know what? These people, we were so close. We did all these things all together all the time. And now they're no part of my life. You know why? Because there was no intimacy. There's just continual hiding and covering and blaming. And so there's no deep, intimate relationships being formed. Not only do they rob you from experiencing true intimacy, but these actions are so tiring. They're so exhausting. I have this, this, it's not a good thing. (laughs) So don't look at me like this is good. This is me, again, probably dealing with my own inadequacy. But I often look at people and I'm like, you know, they're blaming, they're covering, they're hiding. And I'm just like, they have to live with themselves well, I have to live with myself. You have to live with yourself. And how tired are you of all the time hiding, covering, and blaming? It is an exhausting life. Why do you feel tired and wiped out all the time? As I mentioned, sure, you're an American and you're busy, but you know why else you're so exhausted because you continually have to buy new clothes that are falling apart and not clothes, clothes, fig leaves. You're continually blaming others for your issues. You're continually hiding your true self from people who don't know you. you got to constantly be wearing this persona, these clothes, these blaming, and it's just tiring. That's why people truly change when they just get tired of doing everything. People only change when the pain of staying the same is greater than changing. I don't know if you caught all that, but you'll keep being the same until it gets way more painful than just changing. And so you're exhausted. Why? Because we're broken sinners who've been alienated and separated from God, which now we see how broken and alienated we are with our own selves, which has impact in all of our relationships with other people. But there's good news. There's good news in one word. Number 3. God in the midst of our sin comes to find us. When you read this story again, the very first words that God speaks after the Adam and Eve incident of eating the fruit, what are his very first words? Where are you? But what is God's very first action? to come to where Adam and Eve are. Please understand that. Did God know what already had happened? Yes. Could He have just never come back to the Garden of Eden and been God? Yes. But what does He do? His first action is to come into the very place where the sin was committed. And His very first words are Where are you? In the Hebrew, it's just one word, actually. The one word, where are you? And in that one word, in this one action of God coming into the garden and asking Adam where, we have a lot of theology that takes place throughout the rest of Scripture. Number one, God seeks out the lost sinner. God comes to you in the midst of your sin and in your brokenness. And number two, he doesn't come and just judge. He doesn't come and send Adam and Eve to hell. What does he do? He openly says, Where are you? and creates this opportunity for confession. He creates this opportunity for you to come and to say, This is what I did wrong. And God does this because he desires your restoration. God desires you to experience humanity as we talked about a few weeks ago, that humanity is being in right relationship with God, yourself, others, and the world. And God wants that for you. He wants you to experience intimacy in relationships. He wants you to experience joy in your life. And so He comes and seeks you out and gives you opportunity to acknowledge so that His work of redemption can be accomplished in you. And how do you know He did this for you? How do you know He really came and sought you out? That He really gives you a chance to confess and bring restoration and redemption to you? You know that. Because of one he sent. Who in his fear of going to the cross. Overcame that fear and rather than running and hiding from God. Ran to the cross for you. Who rather than being covering himself. in his shame actually laid naked open on a cross shamefully for you. And who, rather than blamed everyone else for his own death, which is why he was there, he actually took all of your guilt upon himself. So that now in Jesus, your fear, shame, and guilt, and your covering, your hiding, and your blaming have all been dealt with because there's a God who comes in the garden and says, Where are you? So where are you? Where are you? Thank you for listening to the Redemption Church Podcast. To learn more about our kingdom ministry located in Chesapeake, Virginia, visit weareredemption.org.